This is the post-game podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you all the big match reaction with views from the press box, the dugout and the stands. How many different ways are this Liverpool side going to show that they can win a game? Liverpool taking the lead, falling behind and then eventually coming out with the win against West Ham and Anfield to move on to within four wins of their first Premier League title. I'm Guy Clark, this is the Post Game Podcast here on the Blood Red channel where we'll hear from Jurgen Klopp following the Reds' 18th consecutive top flight win plus from you the fans as well before we're out. Well all of that to come plus much more as well but first to Anfield where we join the Echoes Liverpool correspondent Paul Ghost. Liverpool are now four wins from the Premier League title after another hard-fought affair this time at Anfield as they won 3-2 against West Ham United uh, on Monday evening. Um, a difficult match for Liverpool, uh, a game when they actually trailed uh, the rarest of, of events uh, at Anfield. Started off well enough, uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold's cross, uh, inch-perfect cross was met by Genie Wijnaldum's uh, excellent tether. Lucas Fabianski got a hand to it but it crept into the bottom corner to give the Reds uh, an ideal start. It didn't really look like um, the Reds were going to uh, surrender anything um, resembling their lead until uh, a corner about three minutes later. Issa Diop header past Alisson Becker and he was flanked by about three or four uh, Liverpool defenders but he still managed to get his header in. Um, Liverpool have conceded uh, two two goals from corners in the last couple of games. Something that Ian Klopp will probably feel uh, a little bit aggrieved by and something he might look at uh, on the training pitch when everything else seems to be working so well at the moment. Um, and then uh, Pablo, Pablo Fornals into the second half. He come on for, uh, for Thomas uh, Suchek. And uh, he actually scored and, and uh, made a 2-1 to West Ham. And the travelling uh, hammers, well, they couldn't believe the luck, if they're honest. And, and they were singing about going to win the league and... Uh, you know, mirroring all the Liverpool songs that we've heard all season. But this Liverpool team, as we know by now, have made of strong stuff and uh, eventually fought back into the game. Mohamed Salah, the man uh, on the spot once again with a side-footed finish. Past Lucas Fabianski, the West Ham goalkeeper, probably feel he should have done a lot better. Squaring through his grasp and Liverpool uh, had parity. And then again, it didn't really look like Liverpool were not going to get anything other than three points from this game. Uh, Sadio Mane, who eventually got the winner. Alexander-Arnold uh, got there ahead of Fabianski and Mane with a simple tap-in to make it 3-2. And once again, he had a, a fourth ruled out uh, towards the end with Alexander-Arnold supplying a, an excellent cross. He was just offside for that one, but it didn't matter. Liverpool go on uh, 3-2. They're now four wins from a first Premier League title, a first domestic league title in 30 years. Uh, they're edging ever closer. They're not going to get caught at this stage. It's now just a case of trying to wrap that up as quickly as they can with the uh, Premier League and FA Cup duty still to come. Uh, Liverpool 22 points clear once again after this 3 2 win against West Ham United. Paul Gorst with his say on the 3 2 win over West Ham United at Anfield. That the 21st consecutive home league win for the Reds, equaling the record set by Bill Shankly's side, who did the same from January to December back in 1972. Where Shankly once led as Liverpool manager, nowadays is Jurgen Klopp, of course. And let's have a listen into what he made of the win over West Ham. I like the start of the game. Um, good goal, kind of cheeky, but quicker in mind. Everybody expected ball is out and then Trent um, changes situation. Yes, everybody will speak about it. Probably Fabianski saved balls like this in his career. I'm pretty sure. Um, but it, the, the story of the game was a little bit that um, from that moment on. I think it was from that moment on, pretty much. West Ham knew always we have a, we have one two proper ways to stay in the game, 
and it was second balls and set pieces. Both was not good tonight from us. So second ball game was not good. Losing the first ball is possible because Antonio, Alea, whoever is there was just too good in that. You cannot win all the balls. Um, but then the second ball we have to pick up better. The formation was not good. We showed the boys in half time. It just makes no sense there. And the set pieces, obviously, they um, they were really good from them. We were not that clear in these situations. That's how they scored the goal. Um, and even when, when, so they got a little bit of the momentum, or maybe they got the momentum. We still in charge, have the ball, but um, we had finishes. Unfortunately, not all of them on target, but we had finishes. So goalie kick and again second ball, fighting for these balls. It's difficult to reach the boys in these moments, to be honest, to, to change it pretty much. And um, so that was the first half. We tried to change in half time, then um, give different formations. Because we showed them two very good football situations where we were just in around the box and did exactly what we have to do. It's like playing easy, simple, quick, being able to change position, come between the lines, pass there, and going behind. So we had these moments, but then they scored the second goal which I didn't see back, should, maybe should have watched it after the game, but I forgot it, so now I don't know exactly how it happened. I know now where the cross coming from, and one free player at least in the box doesn't help. Um, so, First half it was a bit patient, second half we conceded the second goal, we are now to be forced to be patient, but um, really increased the pressure. Now we were there, crowd really helpful, um, increased this kind of, had a lot of set pieces, Ox came on, we changed the set pieces slightly, had these crosses. Crosses were a bit too hard from time to time, so easy to say, much more difficult to change. But uh, because I really thought the positioning was brilliant, but at the end the crosses looked like shots. Um, but we scored the two goals um, in situations, again, which um, the second one was really good. You have to react on balls like this, it was a deflected ball, our, our third goal. And the, the first one was really good. Our second goal was really good play, but of course, um, un, unlucky for West Ham in the way it went in. The best goal we scored was obviously the disallowed one. I liked it a lot. That was exactly the, the way we wanted to play. Um, that's it. And then in the end, they have the big chance where Robbo obviously thought it's offside, um, and they have the chance in a sensational save of Ali. And um, so we brought it over the line. It was difficult. We knew it before. West Ham was much better than they were against us in the first game. I think much better than the last game against City. Tonight they were really there, so I really think they can take... I don't, I'm not here for that, but I really think David can take something from here as well. That looked like a proper threat tonight, and that will be difficult for other teams as well if they can bring that again on the pitch. Neil? I felt like in the stadium that Oxlade Chamber made a big difference. Not just with your team, but with the crowd as well. You seem to, to feed off that when you came on. Yeah, we needed that direction, obviously. Then Oxley came on, and the I think the first was a finish. <laughs> yeah, close, but still a finish. Next one uh, was uh, dribbling, whether foul or not. If it's not foul, then probably we have the ball there in a good position again. So the dynamic helped there, of course. And it's always, if we get direction in the game, um, our people appreciate that, obviously, and that helped there. Yes, Andy. Jürgen, Trent will uh, be attention on Trent getting two more assists tonight, but he seems mm -hmm. to at 2-1 to take a, a lot of responsibility for driving the whole team back into the game. Tonight, it's not just about his assists, what he brings to the game, to the team. 
Yeah, but I think we are we passed the moment where we treat him like a like a young boy. That's just a a proper member of the squad. So everybody has to contribute. Everybody has to to, to bring on the pitch what what he's able to do, and, and the boys do a lot to bring him or Robbo in the position and, and save them there. We, I don't want to make the the performance smaller than it is. Really, I'm completely happy with it. But that's how, how football works on highest level. Um, and um, like I saw super moments of Genie, for example, where he just um, wins that decisive battle. Sadio really, Bobby chasing back, so and wins the ball, which is meanwhile, thank God, in our stadium, like half was nearly scoring a goal. The celebration after Bobby wins a, a really important ball back. So all these pieces put them together and. Um, in the end, um, yeah, we have a lot of time. Um, a fullback in a position where he can cross and score, and we can try to score a goal. I, I actually thought we could have crossed better I, because I know the boys could have crossed better. So the, the balls were slightly too hard. Maybe it was the wind or not. I don't know. But we were in good positions, and but the balls were then really too hard. It was difficult. Set pieces, free kicks looked like good curve, everything there. But we were not ready. So somebody, something has had to be wrong. No, how is that? Not a perfect game, but a lot of still a lot of good performances that helps obviously. You've got um, 109 points from the last 111. You need 12 to to win the title now. Will these the last 12 that you need to do be the, the hardest to get of all? The next three are always the hardest. Was always like this. We never saw it differently. It would be strange if you now say these these next twelve points are so difficult to achieve. They are difficult. You, you saw it tonight. So, look, I told already to said to a colleague, if you would have lost tonight, everybody would say two in a row, under pressure at Watford. We are still under pressure at Watford because they are just good. They are really good. I saw the game against United. They could have scored the first one, Trudini <laughs> um, probably, and um, and then. Um, they had really good moments. They played here really well. They will fight for everything because now, in this moment, everybody is fighting for everything. Could I have wished for a better position to go in these last 11 games? No, I would never thought it's possible. But each one of them, um, each one of them is really difficult, and we we respect that a lot. We don't expect one easy game. Nobody wants to go through. Easily, we just have to be ready for work and for hardest work, and we were that tonight as a unit, together with the crowd. Again, I, I really love that fact, and I can't, couldn't appreciate it more. It's um, really special. Last question, Dave. Jürgen, you've uh, equaled the all-time record for consecutive wins in the top flight and also consecutive home wins, which shows it does show how remarkable this team is. Even if you've not won the title yet, it shows. How incredible they are to equal the record records for that. Yeah, true. A couple of years ago, three, four, maybe at the beginning, I thought uh, I said we, we want to write our own stories. We want to create our own history. Obviously, the boys <laughs> took that really seriously. Um, what I said there, and um, that, that's all cool, but just not too important in the moment. But, uh, but it's so special. Though the numbers are incredible, so difficult. We sat here a couple of times. We spoke about wonderful games, brilliant games. We spoke about hard games. Difficult games tonight was difficult, obviously. Um, so the the number of wins you only can have if you win all these games. Obviously, the difficult ones, the easy ones, if there ever was one, um, the brilliant ones, and the more the rougher and all more 
more grumpy ones. So that's that's how it is, and um, in the end, it, that's what counts. And um, we all know that it's very special. But in the moment, we are really just in the situation, and um, and want to recover and want to prepare the next one because the next opponent is really waiting and wants to fight us, wants to the whole stadium at Watford will will go for us. It's completely normal. Um, there will be a special atmosphere and we have to be 100% ready and that's I saw the boys tonight they were they are ready to fight and how is that as long as we are really ready to fight um, yeah nobody should worry but we still <coughs> a lot of work to do Jurgen Klopp reacting to the win over West Ham all of those records still yet to be broken yet the focus remains intact well your reaction here on post game comes after this Game podcast on the Blood Red Channel. We have a couple of our regular contributors to come on post game shortly, but before that, let's delve into the Blood Red Podcast Facebook group where Christian Gaza says this team just don't know how to give up. Up the top of the league, Reds, you'll never walk alone. David Allen says, coming through yet another tough game, this is a team who refuse to give up, and I absolutely love it. Fran Fagan writes, that was a nervous game, and it was hard to enjoy as so much was at stake. The unbeaten run, the records, but most importantly, the three points. Richie O'Farrell says, that was too close for comfort. We once again seem to be struggling to shake off the rust post mid-season break Cater again disappointing and Ox made a big impact when he came on West Ham did well and I personally hope they avoid relegation even though Moyes is their manager thank God Fabianski had a mare this evening we need to up the revs and refind our verve against Watford Mind the gap, you'll never walk alone. Mark Donoghue writes, Fair game by the Hammers and not a vintage performance by us, but I've been watching Liverpool for over 50 years and remember even the great sides of the 70s and 80s had games where they were far from perfect but managed to grind out wins. This is what champions do. And Sam James simply says, Never in doubt. Well, there'll be more from the Blood Red podcast Facebook group to come shortly, but time now to hear what Matt Whitty made of the night's entertainment. Well, that was certainly a much tighter game than I was expecting, with Liverpool running out the winner by the odd goal in five against David Moyes, West Ham at Anfield this evening. I thought we were just slightly off, um, um, just just uh, just everything really. We weren't, you know, we weren't awful. Just we, you know. We just weren't quite there, you know. We'd, you know, Van Dijk would win a defensive header, and then West Ham would pick up the second ball. We'd, uh, we, we, you know, we were, we were getting quite a few crosses in, but just couldn't seem to get on the end of it, or the ball wouldn't quite, wouldn't quite drop for us. It didn't, didn't quite work for Cater tonight. Um, I thought he had just a bit of a disappointing game, really. And I was really looking forward to seeing him up against uh, Noble and and Rice in that in that midfield. I thought his. His energy driving forward would be would be would be crucial in his dribbling ability, but wasn't really wasn't really there. And I think yeah, I think West Ham was because they were standing off a bit. He wasn't able to sort of use his his skill and his his uh, his low central gravity and his his dribble, dribbling ability. And there was just quite a contrast really to when Oxley Chamberlain came on and just drove at West Ham and caused uh, caused them loads of problems. And he was he, he was he was brilliant for the uh, for the half hour or so that that he was on and really tipped the game in in our favour really 
more assists for for the fullbacks um, as we've just come to come to get so used to these days. So, and I thought they both had a good game after both picking up some a little bit of criticism in uh, in the odd game over the last over the last four or five uh, four or five weeks. But yeah, I thought they were both uh, both excellent today. Great energy from from Robbo, just bombing up and down. He's got a brilliant understanding with Mane and you can just see it throughout the throughout the game really how they just uh, they just they just interchange so and read each other's well uh, read each other's runs so well and yeah I thought uh, Firmino had a good game um, as well dropping dropping deep didn't quite work from up front and missed from what seemed to be like um, virtually under the under the crossbar at the uh, at the far post but uh, it didn't matter and uh, yeah goal ruled out which would have been the icing on the cake, um, but uh, I haven't uh, haven't seen it back. But it did look did look offside. So yeah, another another win, 18, 18 on the bounce, and I think that's uh, just four more wins required now to to win the win the league for the first time in thirty years. Matt Whitty giving his take on Liverpool's three two win over West Ham at Anfield, taking the Reds one step closer as Matt says, to that elusive Premier League title. We're back into the Facebook group we go. And before reading out some more comments that you guys have sent in, once again, thank you very much for all of those who have taken time to send in comments on the Facebook group. But for those listening who maybe not in the group, but crucially are on Facebook, just search the Blood Red podcast, find the group and request to join and like that. We could be reading out your thoughts next time here on post game one person who's done exactly that is graham turner shaw who says thank god that's over not the best first half but did the business second half you'll never walk alone keith holden says i think it's fair to say that the reds were far from their best tonight but this result shows how far this team have come under Klopp. he's assembled a squad full of winners who can notch win after win even when not purring at their best ox coming off the bench to add additional drive from midfield to big owls last save at the end in the last 10 we really are blessed with an outstanding football team West Ham surprised a lot of people with an attacking lineup which meant a more open game than expected my man of the match was Genie always an outlet and also a threat driving forward and linking the play well the winning run is intact the unbeaten run as well put a record in front of this red machine and they'll just keep knocking them down roll on Watford let's make it 82 points Points from 84 up the Reds. Sarah Downey Ruiz Velasco says, I was confident we could turn it around, but really worried at the same time. I love this team no matter what, but I'm so happy we got three points. Four more wins. Daniel Stonman writes, Nabby's not cutting it for me. I really don't think he's the man Klopp thought he was. Jay Roberts says, with his usual panache as always. The good, another three points. Magic number is four, and we showed our steely resolve once again. Fun game to watch. The bad, we're experiencing our wobble. Not great in Madrid, and today we looked a bit lethargic and slow without enough urgency at times. Missing Henderson, perhaps. The beautiful Alisson coming up aces once again with a game-defining save. Genie's my man of the match today. All kinds of grit, hustle and resolve in the midfield. Plus a goal. Trent co-man of the match with a wonderful delivery and two assists. Fabianski, unfortunately, also with two, what he's describing, assists as well. Let's hope this wobble works its way out of our system. Our expectations are so high that we expect perfection 
doing all the time. But in the absence of that, we and Klopp will take grit. And we showed that up the unstoppable Reds. And finally tonight with his thoughts, here's Mark Baker. Game which ends up being very difficult. Liverpool winning by the odd goal, which they have done a lot this season. And ultimately, their output makers in the side, the, the, the players who decide games on a consistent basis in the whiff of the 18-yard box and the attacking third. Sadio Mane and Mohamed Salah influenced the game at the right moments. Obviously, there was a bit of fortune involved in the goal, goalkeeping errors, deflections, that kind of thing. But the fact of the matter is, these players are always threatening the opposition. They are always in the decisive areas of the pitch where games are decided, whether that be assists, key passes, touches in the opposition area, getting in goal-scoring positions, or chance creation, these players are relentless in the fact that they are consistently in them correct areas. And it was no different today, obviously, to outcome the game and take Liverpool to a valuable victory. But I wanted to touch on talking about player profiles today. And I thought it was a great point picked up by uh, Jamie Carragher and Gary Neville post-match talking about Trent Alexander-Arnold how and how the difference between playing as a full-back and seeing the game in front of you and having time and space in which to influence it and potentially playing in a higher area, maybe playing in a wide midfield position, for example, or in Alexander-Arnold's case, they talked about in central midfield. And it always took me back to, I mentioned this quite a lot in terms of past Liverpool teams, and Glenn Johnson was one that strikes me. Obviously, a very good attacking full-back. He was known for, for having better attacking traits than he was defensively. And a lot of the clamour for him was to play higher, maybe in potentially in midfield, on the right-hand side of midfield. But I always stressed that it's a totally different game. You're receiving on the back foot. You've got less time in that attacking half of the pitch. Your skill set has to be completely different in terms of potentially trying to beat opponents, influence the game in that way. Whereas a fullback, again, you're coming onto the ball. So it's a different quality that you have to possess and a different ability. Obviously, the higher players who play at the highest end of the pitch with the least time and space are the ones who acquire the biggest transfer fees and that's why because not only do they have to be technically more proficient better at moving the ball quickly but they also have to see pictures quicker and I thought that was a good example in terms of what they used about Alexander Arnold and in this case obviously about one that I could think of of Glenn Johnson obviously with Alexander Arnold they've talked about playing central midfield and the fact that you know you're consistently having to scan you've got pressure from behind in front either side and the, the way you have to move the balls quicker and the decision-making time becomes less. And I thought it was a great point and one that I think has really benefited Alexander-Arnold from playing full-back and definitely why I wouldn't look to move him at any time, but I don't think Klopp will either. I think he's pretty set in stone his position at this moment in time. But I thought it would take me on to the player profile of Liverpool's midfield players. And obviously Naby Keita came into the side for today's fixture. And... For me, Cater struggled in his, midf- his midfield career for Liverpool. But I think one of the aspects of it is that Cater recovers the ball well. I think he circulates the ball well. I think he's he keeps possession well. He is almost a very similar version for me of Jorginho van Alden. However, the expectations of what he should be as a player are totally different. So... Well, Van Allen's seen as very metronomic, keep ball sort of player. That is what Cater is. But he's almost tasked or thought of being the, the saviour to Liverpool and unlocking the final third for them. Well, 
unfortunately for me, he hasn't got the player profile or the skill set to be able to do so, and that is why he's getting judged. And almost the times I judge him sometimes when he's coming into the side, okay, what can he create today? What what can he how can he influence the outcome in the final third? Well the reality is he isn't going to because Cater, his player profile sees the game in front of him. At best he will play war players into play, war passes into players ahead of him and try and interlink and link up with them players. But he can't operate in the half spaces. He can't take up positions in receiving the ball on the half turn in amongst the opposition defensive midfield players and centre-halves. He can't do that or in the half spaces between full-back and deepest midfield players and influence the game, i.e. like a Coutinho, like a Bernardo Silva, like a Kevin De Bruyne. And that's fine. No problem at all. I actually think if, if Cater his expectations were that he was a Henderson, that he was a Wijnaldum. No one would have a real problem. I think the problems came in because Liverpool tried to sign Nabil Fakir, who undoubtedly would have played that Coutinho role and offered Liverpool a lot, something a lot different in that central area of the park. And if Cater was the second midfield player within the side and he was doing the job of Henderson and Wijnaldum or what he currently offers the side, which is, to be honest, not, that, not too much difference, then everyone would fully take to that and, and believe in, in in what he's produced, I suppose, so far. But the idea that he's going to be coming up with these magical solutions in the final phase or be it a door opener or a connector to midfield to attack, it's just never going to happen. And that's why if the expectations continue to be that for him in his Liverpool career, it, it's he's never going to end up, up doing that. Now, I'm a big believer that Liverpool need a more creative player in that midfield three going forward and I think they'll need that next season. Now, it's either Cater is tasked with being one of them second midfield players and having the characteristics and of, of a Van Alden and Henderson, which is what he is, or whether we continue as a fan base to try and measure his success in terms of volume of chances created and operating higher than the, the attacking third, which he's always going to fall down on. So that was my point today. I thought Liverpool struggled in the centre midfield again to create. And I think that is one of the reasons, expectations, as opposed to actually, what is this player we're watching? Well, we've seen enough evidence to suggest what he was. And I think people should, what he is, sorry. And I think people should start recognising that. Mark Baker with the final say tonight. Well, that's all from us here on Post Game as the Reds continue to go full on in their pursuit of a first league title in 30 years. Records equaled, but something greater lays in store. Thanks once again for your time and company here on Blood Red. Until next time, it's bye for now. You've been listening to the Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red channel.